We, for the past couple of more lives, we were making these bracelets, these one word bracelets. It was like, think of a word, think of something that could inspire you, that could motivate you, some way you need to grow, something you need to remember, something that could challenge you. Think of a word, a singular word, hopefully, that could help you, that you could put on your wrist, that you could wear as a daily reminder. And then we had you guys fill out slips, and it said, my word is because, and I read all of those last time we were together. And then we did a generosity experiment. For those of you guys who don't know what the generosity experiment is, More to Life exists and happens because of donations. Like generous people giving. Some participants, some grants, some people from outside of the state, you know? Like we tap into, Ann and I, we, we write a letter every year. We ask one time and we get donations sent in, pledges and promises. That time's coming up soon. But I mention that simply because 15% of whatever we receive in donations, we want to put back into our local community here somehow. We want to like, so far this year, so we, we found a, a single mother who was behind in, in almost all of her bills, like everything. And we anonymously paid down some of her bills that she had, a thousand bucks, right? So we did that back in December. It was awesome. The other thing that we've done so far is we purchased four kits and hundreds of these bracelets. And we went down to the Riverwalk. There were a few in this room who did it. We went down there and we set up a little table and we put out a few examples. And we have all these blank bracelets and the kits. And we set out some questions, and then people started coming up and asking questions. Hey, what's going on? What is this thing? And at first, I looked at Lori. <laughs> Lori was there with me at the beginning. We were kind of waiting on some other people to show up. And I'm like, well, it's not 5 o'clock yet. We're supposed to start at 5, so then we'll really try this. And we didn't know how it was going to go either. You never know when you do these kind of experiments. Like, I don't know if you guys have ever tried to give something away for free. It's kind of tough nowadays. Um, people are like really skeptical. Yeah. And it's like, what's going on here? And they think I'm going to, you're going to hit them up with some kind of pitch at the end, or I don't know, you got to go on an hour tour, or I don't know, like something's coming up. And sure enough, the first people to always kind of step up and ask questions are kids. They love free stuff. And like, so they come up, and then their parents come up, and their parents are kind of peering over from a distance. <laughs> and then the parents are like, oh, yeah, I'll do this. This is cool. Like, give me a word. So here's our stack of papers, because we asked them too. And we literally had to shut things down. There came a lull, and I looked at James, and I was like, this is it, right? Like, we're going to close this sucker down. And so, like, Dawn's out there soliciting people. <laughs> she was, like, talking to people. She's like, come over and do this and fill out this sheet. And we have most of these sheets, thanks to Dawn. Like, one word and why, right? Like, what word did you pick and why? And all through the night, we've got lines. We've got lines, like, Dawn's getting people, handing these out. We don't have enough pens. And then she's sending them over to me because some of them want help brainstorming. We had some people stand there, I kid you not, for 25 minutes trying to think of their word. What's my word? What am I going to put on my bracelet? And then they would go over to James, and they would go over to Elle, and they would go over to Annie, and Annie's over there pounding away, and sometimes the things are flying off. And we made some good bracelets. We messed up a lot, too. Like, we made some really messed up bracelets. <laughs> and then people would be like, can you do that one over? And we're like, yeah, for sure. Um, but it was an awesome night. We had lines everywhere for tying bracelets and everything, and then eventually we shut it down. And we were like, all right, we got we to gotta close this down. 
Here's the thing. I went and took all the responses, of course, and I made a Wordle. You guys know what the Wordles are, right? I'm not totally into it myself, but hey, I put all of these into a program, and so it threw them up, and based on how many times that word occurred, the bigger the word, right? The bigger the word. So this is the more to life one word wordle that's taken from all of the bracelets we had. We handed out over a hundred bracelets in about an hour and a half downtown to kids and parents, and those were just the slips of paper that we can count. There were a lot of people who didn't write down their word. So interestingly enough, faith was the largest, most frequented word. Inspire was up. Present was a huge one. Strength, love, breathe, one, run, family, pray, enjoy, today, I am loved, listen came out several times. Colorado, I, can I share one with you? So there was a group of college students, right? And I think it was like three or four of the girls chose the word Colorado. And one of the girls wrote down, I'm going to college soon, and I don't want to forget my home, because she's leaving state. She's going to college. And so she picked the word Colorado. Um, lots of really cool words in the end. I'm going to throw this out in the MTL email, and we're going to post it on the Facebook page and stuff. But I just want to let you guys know, the past few weeks doing these one word things have been pretty interesting. You know? Pretty interesting to have people, I don't know why that keeps timing out on you, but someone can get, just go hit it. There's like a timer that's malfunctioning back there with the lights. I really enjoyed the whole process. And so tonight I wanted to share someone's word with you. And I wanted to talk about that word a little bit more in detail. Because it's a really good word, and it's basically the topic that we have for tonight, which is the word needs. Needs. Now, that is Ann, my wife's word on her bracelet, needs. And I want to tell you how it came about, why it's on her wrist, and then maybe dive into a little bit about you guys and your story so you can kind of frame it from your own perspective a little bit. Now, interestingly enough, I'm not talking about basic needs. I mean, you can pull some of that in. Yes, basic needs, but you have more than basic needs that drive you and, and, and nudge you and needs that need to be met. And they're not just basic. Interesting fact that I always loved to tell students a long time ago is that like, we're one of the only species who, from the moment you were born, you would not be here if someone had not met your needs. In fact, you couldn't survive. The minute you're born, you're utterly dependent upon other people to tend to your every need. You're that helpless. You should go Google tonight, why do humans give birth to helpless babies? <laughs> it comes up, and science is all over that one. They want to tell you like, what's going on and why babies' brains aren't developed, and they're completely and utterly helpless. And they need other people to care and attend to their needs. Now, at some point, that switches. <laughs> I've got a teenage boy. And uh, like, it, it shifts, and it changes throughout life. And suddenly, maybe you don't want people to attend to your needs. Maybe you don't pay attention to your own needs. We're going to talk a little bit about that tonight. So 
Does anybody know what this is? Just curious. Yes. Okay. <laughs> what is it, Megan? It's a personality test thing. Yeah. <laughs> Basically, yeah. It really is. So the Enneagram is this thing that's been around for a long time. They can't really date it. They can't tell you 100% when it was around. They feel like it was a lot of oral tradition passed around. I wrote some things down for you because I want to get it right. But definitely in the Greek, I know that Enneagram kind of means a nine-pointed diagram, a nine-sided shape, something like that. So what you have up here is actually a star that connects nine points. And it's kind of outlined, interestingly enough, for you. But it's a tool for self-awareness, self-discovery, personal development. It's been used a long time. And it actually taps into a lot of wisdom traditions throughout, like, I mean, this thing has ancient wisdom tradition roots. Now, this tool has allowed people to live more compassionately toward others. This tool has allowed them to be more effective at work. This tool has allowed people to have more satisfying relationships. It essentially diagrams and outlines a system of nine personality types. And so you can like take a test, you can take it online. Some people knock that, say, don't do that. Some people say you can't take it till you're after 30 because you're not really honest about who you are. <laughs> There's all kinds of things that pop up when you start talking about the Enneagram. I'm gonna give you just a basic summary of some of the pieces, but what I want you to know is I have a friend who's very kind of like down on this thing, and he's like, don't put me in a box, right? Don't tell, so there's nine personalities in the world. You know what I mean? Like he immediately starts knocking it. And here's what I want you to think about. Imagine it's not you being put inside of a box, but it's you having help seeing the box from which you experience the world around you. And with that kind of awareness, you are able to step outside of your limited perspective as a human being and see others and see how you react and respond and see others and how they act and respond. Personalities are a great way of expressing ourselves. They're essential to like who we are as people and our identity. However, they can also create all sorts of challenges in our lives when we get stuck in automatic habits and rigid points of view. I don't know if you guys ever remember the moment you realized that not everybody thinks the same way that you do. It's a pretty revolutionary moment in your life to understand that, wait a minute, not everybody feels that way. I remember literally thinking, and this is a little bit about my number, I had it hardwired into my head that if I ever told someone everything about myself, if you knew all the nitty-gritty, the low-down, dirty stuff about who I am, how I think, and how I operate, I thought you could not love me. That was like a deep fear in my head and heart. And I bumped into people who didn't have that fear. That was mind-blowing to me. I was like, oh, surely everybody is walking around thinking the same thing, feeling the same way. When I started diving into this a little bit, it was like, whoa, and I read about my number. I felt like someone had crawled inside my head and written stuff down on paper, and I wanted you to burn it immediately. <laughs> it's like, no, no one should know this kind of stuff about me. How in the world is that happening? So, Enneagram, it helps you see unconscious patterns. It helps you see blind spots about how you respond and react. It's a lot about how you react in stress and then also how you react when you're really healthy. And so on this diagram, 
I'm a number two. I'm the helper, connector, manipulator. Ugh, I hate seeing that word. <laughs> Nurturer. And then there's these arrows, and these arrows show you supposedly where you go when you're in stress. And so I can go to this eight number. And then if you go against the flow of the arrow, that's where I go when I'm healthy. It's interesting, right? Like, those are the traits, some of the things. So the Enneagram has all kinds of books, all kinds of studies, all kinds of seminars out there. Oh, my gosh. If you go home and Google this, you'll be like, whoa, there's a whole world I didn't know. And you start to feel like that happens a lot. I've, I discovered that a couple years with Comic-Con. I was like, wow, there's a whole world I know nothing about. <laughs> that, wow, geez. So Enneagram's one of those worlds. There's podcasts on it. And this fall, hopefully, we're going to have an Enneagram experience here at More to Life. Okay, so I hope this piques a little bit of your curiosity. If you hope to dive into a little bit of it, We'll have an Enneagram experience at Mortal Life this coming fall. But it's all centered on self-discovery, self-awareness. I want that to be really clear inside you guys' minds. Now, here's what I want to highlight for you. If you're looking up here, I'm just going to go through this quick. Enneagram type 1. They call it the Enneatype 1. That's the reformer, the perfectionist, the critic. Um, Self-image is, I'm a responsible, hardworking person who strives for improvement. It's hmm. pretty interesting. Typical struggles, resentment of others because of their lesser standards. Extreme expectations lead to overwork. Their inner critic is harsh and unrelenting, and they're hyper-responsible people. Hyper-responsible. Now, Enneagram type two. This is the giver, the helper, the mentor. I'm reading from another list, so it's not the same. It doesn't correlate 100% with this. They have lots of names out there. Self-image is, I'm a caring person who helps others reach their potential. Um, typical struggles, over-focus on relationships, neglects personal goals or group tasks, avoids conflict to avoid disapproval. Man, that hits my heart hard sometimes. <laughs> sometimes hearing things about yourself that are negative, ooh, it's hard. All right. Enneatype three, performer, achiever, doer. Self-images, I'm a competent, can-do person. Um, typical struggles, overemphasizing activity and efficiency, substituting success for feelings, neglecting to solicit input from others. Enneatype four, I know some of you guys are like, man, does it sound like you? I don't know, all right. Enneatype four, individualist, romantic, innovator. I know some of these people, they drive me crazy. Sorry if that's you. Uh, here we go. Typical struggles or self-image. Let's do that. I'm a unique, sensitive person who understands the deeper meaning of life. I love it. Typical struggles. Feeling like I don't belong or I'm not appreciated for what I bring, discouraged by others' shallowness. Emotional intensity is hard for others. Okay, Enneatype 5. The observer and the thinker. Self-image, I'm a perceptive person who knows how things work. Typical struggles, feeling overwhelmed by others' demands. Withdrawal is seen by others as rejection. Protective of personal energy and resources. Enneatype 6, the name. Loyal skeptic, devil's advocate, questioner, guardian hero. Self-image, I'm realistic. I probe until I find the trouble. I see things others don't. Typical struggles. Magnifying worst case scenarios. 
Others see me as a wet blanket when I feel I'm taking reasonable precaution. Doubting my own power authority. Enneotype 7. I have a brother-in-law who is this number. Enneotype 7. Enthusiast, generalist, epicure, planner. Self-image. I'm an upbeat renaissance person. Typical struggles. Losing interest after project's initial phase. Impatient with limitations, unaware or uninterested in others' positions. Enneotype <laughs> 8. The names are protector, boss, challenger. Self-image. I'm a powerful and just person who empowers and protects others. What you see is what you get. Typical struggles of the um, impatient with deliberation, disrespectful of weak or incompetent leaders, pushing themselves too far. And finally, Enneotype 9, the peacemaker, the mediator, the diplomat. Self-image, I'm easygoing and low maintenance. I don't rock the boat. Typical struggles, difficulty with prioritizing, shuts down when conflict is with them, gets foggy when opinions are asked for. Again, I hope it kind of sparks your curiosity. We're not going to dive too heavy into this, but what I wanted you to know is Ann and I went to a weekend kind of event that was up here in the mountains. And it was all about the Enneagram. I came late, because I had to be somewhere, and Anne was there ahead of me, and she's scribbling notes furiously. And we went to this thing, and the woman sat up front, and she went through like every number in detail. And it was a long time, Anne was there, Anne George. And like, it was just a lot of information, and you were sitting there, and it was so much. What it did, though, was give you eyes and compassion for other people for how they possibly see the world. And she offered at the end some very interesting things I hadn't read in books yet about these specific numbers. And I want to share with you why Anne's wearing the word needs on her bracelet. Because I'm a two. And near the end of that time, she said what every number's basic fear was, what every member's what every number's, number's lost childhood message was, and what every number's unconscious childhood message was. And I'm gonna share with you mine. She said, type two, basic fear. Fear of being unworthy or unloved. Dang. <laughs> lost childhood message. Type two, you are wanted. Unconscious childhood message. Type two, number two, it's not okay to have your own needs. It's not okay to have your own needs. So Anne left there, and she was like, wow, that's pretty, that's pretty heavy, right, for Phil. Regardless if you're a two or not, there's a phrase that floats around society and culture and it's pretty negative when it comes to the word needs. I don't know if you've ever said it, but it's just like, oh, that person's just such a needy person. Such a needy person, right? Oh, my gosh. And so I think, like, regardless if you're a two or not, you probably have something in you somewhere that says, I don't want to be a needy person. Because that's a very negative connotation out there. So I don't know when it comes to you and your needs, if you tend to overlook them, dismiss them, diminish them, 
hide them. I'm not sure how well you take care of yourself at meeting your needs. I'm a two and I act like I shouldn't have them. I don't know what personality type you are, but chances are good that you can use a reminder and a nudge and encouragement to think about what needs you have and whether or not you're aware of them, whether or not you try to meet them, whether or not you ask for help when it comes to your needs, whether or not you literally like find a way to have those needs met. Because here's the truth. You're a needy person. <laughs> you are. Like you're a straight up needy individual. You have needs that need to be met. And here's the harsh truth. If those needs aren't met, it can stunt, limit, restrict your growth, your transformation, your personal development, your joy in life. Like that is all true. And at the same time, the opposite is true. If your needs are met, it can be amazingly positive and it can accelerate and enhance and like mature who you are in ways that otherwise wouldn't be possible. And it's about your needs. And here's the interesting thing. You're probably going to know those better than anybody else. Getting older, becoming a responsible individual, like out there, is a part of you learning who you are to the extent that you know your needs and that you can like chase after them, try and meet them, and also communicate those to people around you. I'm a two, and I heard Ann say she does a crappy job of meeting my needs. I do a crappy job of acting like they exist or even like saying, here's what I need right now. I need help, or here's what I need. I don't put it to words. I don't say it. Now, earlier this week, I don't know if you saw the email, but I have to play this video. I don't know if you saw the email. I sent it out, but here's Jim Carrey. I love Jim Carrey. I love him in Dumb and Dumber. And I love him in real life, too. He's made some incredible, interesting speeches. If you've ever watched the guy talk, like when he just gets a microphone and he's not trying to be funny, he's an incredible individual. He recorded this video, and I want you to just watch it. Think about the idea of needs and the fact that these come up and the fact that needs, like if not met, can have this disruptive negative effect on you versus like needs being met can create life, life that you can step into, life that you can really fully embrace and enjoy. All right, so Jim Carrey, I needed color. I found that pretty fascinating. I like one of the lines he says at the end, which is sometimes all we really want to do is show ourselves and, and kind of be accepted and, and like really show who we are. And sometimes when it comes to your needs, that reveals a lot about who it is you are. And, and it's kind of risky and it's kind of vulnerable. And so a lot of times like we go around and we, we try to act like we're not a needy person. 
And sometimes we don't have those kind of needs. And what I wanted to do tonight was to encourage you to see being needy as a good thing. It's kind of the converse like perspective to look at it and say, wait, 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 being needy is really good. Because if I know my needs and I can tap into those and I can actually chase after them and have my needs met, I will actually grow. I'll actually change. I'll actually transform. I'll actually become a different kind of person as those needs are met again and again and again. Now, I put this picture up simply because I was thinking about plants and I was thinking all it takes for like plants to grow. And I don't know if we ever look at ourselves like that because plants have a lot of needs. I'm horrible at growing them. So I clearly don't really know their needs very well. Like it's something I don't do. We tried to grow a lot of stuff and some stuff has worked really well and I guess it's because their needs are being met. We have the strawberry plant in our yard for God's sakes. Like it's in the yard and we don't even do anything to it and it grows strawberries. I tried to grow stuff in another spot and it would not grow. It couldn't make it. One time I swore up and down that I was watering something enough and then someone told me, they were like, you just need to water that more. So I just soaked it. I mean, I drenched it like every day, all day long and boom, we grew lettuce out of control. When your needs are met, you will thrive, you will flourish, you will expand, you will thrive at life when your needs are met. But a lot of times that takes you understanding what your needs are. And if you're looking at them negatively and saying, I don't want to be a needy person, you're kind of suppressing those. You're kind of hiding them and you're really limiting yourself, I think. The other cool thing is throughout life, your needs change. They change. Like sometimes I believe you have needs that are hardwired. They're like in your DNA. Those things aren't really going to shift much. I met with a couple and um, they were talking about their life and what was coming. And they were trying to assess some of the needs that might be on the horizon later on. And so this couple was saying, you know what? We don't have a whole lot that we share or do together. And so we talked about that a little bit. And lo and behold, so they started trying to find something that they could do together. They tried to ride bikes and that failed miserably. Um, they tried some cooking classes and it didn't quite stick. Like one of them was always a little disinterested in the other thing. And, and so they were trying their best, but here's what they were saying. We need to feel connected and experience things together. And we need this connection moving forward. And it's going to be even more important. They told me once their kids leave the house and this is what they were anticipating. And they knew that they needed this connection and, and, up until now it was okay and things weren't so, like it wasn't like a concern, but now in life it was. And so your needs are gonna change too. Some of them are contextual, you know, and, and circumstantial and those needs surface. So what I wanna encourage you guys tonight to do is simply this. I want you to think that being a needy person's good. It's good. In fact, it's okay for you to be a needy person. 
That's kind of being responsible, in my opinion. You're saying I have needs and they need to be met. So I want to ask you these questions. Are you aware of your current needs in life? What needs have you overlooked or altogether dismissed? What would you say that you need right now? And is it possible that you should ask for some help? Is it possible? A lot of that will have to do with your personality. I'm horrible at asking, so I know I need to ask for help. So, until next time, friends, I want you to remember that you are unabashedly a needy person. It's who you are. Your needs are real, and I hope that in the next few weeks, days, months, that you can uncover and discover them, that you can listen to them and learn from them, and above all, that whatever you do on a daily basis, that you can pay attention to your needs. Because meeting your needs will help you grow and change and really live your life. Amen. That's all I've got. Needs. Being needy. Making it happen. The one share story I didn't tell was, for the past two-ish to three-ish years, I've been learning about my needs because I've been on what I call a job quest. <sighs> I thought I was going to be a 911 dispatcher because I thought that fit. The, the salary looked right. The benefits were really good. And I thought, man, I can do this. And they thought, hey, you can do this. And then I said, I can't do this. <laughs> it was that simple. And it was me learning a little bit about what I need. And I've bounced around a little bit. <laughs> I've bounced around a lot. Who am I kidding? I've bounced around a ton. And slowly but surely, what I'm figuring out one of my needs is, I really have to be passionate about my job. And I've been telling myself all along that I don't have to be and I shouldn't have to be. Because I know lots of people that aren't passionate about their job. And I'm like, that's cool. I know lots of people that do this. Why can't I do that? I want to do that. So, as my last word to you, regarding your needs, saying you shouldn't have them, or that you would wish them away, or that you want to be someone else with those needs, it doesn't work. It doesn't work. So figure out, learn what your needs are. It's really going to help you in life. I promise. And check back in with me 20 years from now, and I'll, uh, maybe I'll be better at it. Who knows? <laughs> Who knows? But thanks for being here tonight. Ann's got dessert. Do you want to say anything about it? Did people already dive in? No, it's back okay, it's back there. Go get some. We'll play some music. We'll see you like in two weeks when we're going to talk about being a creative maker. Being a creative maker. All right. See you guys. <laughs>